How's it going, folks? How's it going? I'm Brother Matthew, and this is Christian Coffee Time, where we sit down together to study the Word of God. And here we are back at it again, working our way through Titus, and uh, spent a lot of time in Titus, and hopefully we can finish it up today, Titus chapter 2, that is. So please grab your Bibles, notepads, and pens, and turn with me to Titus chapter 2. And we're going to be picking up at verse 7. We're going to be backing up just a little bit and uh, just kind of go over this again. Just get a bit of the a summary of the context here before we move on into the last few verses. So grab your tea, grab your coffee, grab your snacks, and uh, come join us at the table. And take your Bibles and turn to Titus chapter 2, verse 7. And if you have any comments, questions, issues, insights regarding the study at hand, please, by all means, go ahead, ask away, be glad to hear from you. If it's not related to the topic at hand, though, if you could just hold that to the end of the study or to our next broadcast, just so we can try to stay on topic a bit here. Alrighty. So, as we've been going through here, we've been seeing, okay, what is the gospel what's the gospel about and as we see in chapter 2 about sound doctrine we see what the doctrine of god or the doctrine of the traditions of men and we've gone over that in great depth in great detail talking about these things and seeing okay now what does the word of god have to say on this now then and going down through and we got down to verse um 11 for the grace of god that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men now this grace this doctrine this truth of the lord that was it given to just a specific select chosen elect or was it offered unto all and we dove into that in great detail yesterday and uh, i hope uh, uh you understand understand that, that study yesterday as we went over that and just saying okay um how the different world religions uh, corrupt this and change this and their views on this. And then we went right into uh, even within the very realm of Christianity itself, born again Christianity, there are strange sects, uh, nigh cults that literally uh, teach a, a misrepresentation of this, that uh, God has offered this unto all. And we're going to just kind of wrap this up now in chapter two. So yeah, so good morning, good morning, thank you so much for joining in. Uh, again, what we're going to be using is the three points of the Christian faith, the three points of Bible study, which are interpretation, application, demonstration, the what, the how, the why of scripture, what it specifically says, the narrative of the text, how is it being said, the specific words and the pictures and the images. And so we back up, we'll get over it slowly, taking a look at how it's being said in the full context of the narrative, every detail of this. And the how is how can I pair what I'm reading with other aspects of the word of God? So I'm not cherry picking or misunderstanding. I want to understand the proper biblical context and the narrative of all scripture. And then, of course, the final is why. Why is this important and why should I apply it to myself for my own learning to go live it, speak it, think it, do it. All right. So with that. Titus chapter 2. <clears throat> All right, so we're having just a little bit of some technical issues this morning. I don't know why. It's giving me a little bit of trouble. I have to bring out the, the pop-out chat box because it just it won't connect to the proper chat in the program. 
I had to restart our modem and everything, so here's praying that it'll all work properly. Okay. I just want to make sure everyone is in here. If you can say something in the chat, folks, just to let me know you can hear me, it'd be great. Is uh, not sure right now. I'm trying to make sure everything's working. Oh, good morning, good morning. Okay, Bible Club says good morning. <clears throat> All right. Well, let's just get going. Audio's good. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much. And I can see your comment, so that means chat's working now. Good. <laughs> All righty. Grab your tea, grab your coffee, grab your snacks. Come join us at the table. Titus chapter 2, verse 7. Time to study the Word of God. Okay. There's also something else I want to bring up as just a, a touch-up on yesterday's message. I'm talking about uh, the error of the idea, the model of, uh, of uh, people who teach and believe that we are elect of God before salvation. Um, it's a misunderstanding of the word of God. We are not elect of God unto salvation before we're saved. We're not elect of God before salvation. It's after we believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, then we are elected to do the works of Christ, is what Scripture teaches on all of this. Now, but there is a bit of a misunderstanding in this. When you talk about this, it gets a bit confusing for some people. And uh, uh, how do we reconcile certain principles in Scripture? Like, for example, we see um, people argue, well, what, what about Jeremiah? What about John the Baptist? What about Judas? What about the Antichrist? Are these ones not chosen, select, elect of God? Uh, like we see... Um, Jeremiah, John the Baptist, and those, uh, were they not uh, uh, chosen and ordained of God uh, uh, before they were born, uh, before before they came uh, to do work? And Okay, you need to understand what I'm talking about as in yesterday's content and regarding the grace of God comes to all men. I was talking about in a salvationary sense. Nobody is elect into the family of God uh, actually pre uh, elected, preordained of God unto salvation, uh, unto the kingdom of God, where they could not be condemned. You see, for example, with John the Baptist, yes, he was called of God from the womb. Jeremiah called of God from the womb uh, to, to do a work. But here's the thing. They were not born saved. Okay, so we need to understand this. For example, Jeremiah and John Baptist were not born saved. That they had to come to a point where they themselves had to believe on the Lord and be saved. Just like everyone else. They weren't born sinless. They weren't born saved. They, they were born like everyone else. They, they were conceived like everyone else. And they had, they had to they come to a point in their life where they came to the understanding, the age of accountability, they uh, that would believe on the Lord and be saved. You see, there's another view on this where people think that, no, that they were called an elective chosen of God and, and uh, they, they were saved right from the womb. 
no, no, I'm sorry. No, that, that, that's completely false. Uh, they, they were born like everyone else, conceived like everyone else, and they had to get saved like everyone else. But there was a work that God wanted them to do, but uh, an extra work of God upon them as well to help them to see and understand. And uh, they, they got saved and then followed in the work that God had for them. Some are ordained of God to a work. But all because they were, they're called and ordained to a work doesn't mean that they were uh, specifically, specially chosen and saved uh, from the womb. We have to understand the, the difference in these things. Now, for individuals like Judas, was Judas, uh, as some uh, uh, language of the, of the Calvinistic model, is doomed from the womb. Doomed from the womb, that, that, that even from the moment he was conceived, that there was no chance for him to be saved. And this is, this is the, uh, the, uh, the calling of God, and this is what Judas was created for this purpose, and that he, there's no way he could have gotten saved. No, that, that's false. God is not willing that any should perish. Now, the thing about Judas, though, is he was a willing participant. Is that, that Christ wanted him to be saved like everyone else. And that, uh, that if he had have come to the Lord and repented of what he'd done, he could have been saved, but he didn't. He had the repentance of Esau. Sorry for the trouble, not the sin. And then he wound up uh, um, unaliving himself. And, uh, but that was his choice. Now, he was a willing participant in all of this, and that, that because of this stubbornness, because of this, that God God uh, used him for this purpose, that there needed to be the betrayer, and Judas was the willing participant. But the idea that he was doomed from the womb is completely false and goes completely antithetical to Scripture. Now, what about the Antichrist? Similar to the idea and the principle of Judas. So we must understand the difference between called to a work and then pre uh, pre uh, preordained unto salvation that's completely a different thing so i hope that makes sense please let me know that that makes sense if you have any questions on that please don't be afraid to ask okay so with that out of the way let's get going so we want to build up off of, as we see in Titus chapter 2, verse 1, speak the things which become sound doctrine. Now, sound doctrine, as we have established, is the word of God, the God's words, it's God's doctrines, God's teachings, Christ-likeness in all things. Now, can you just take a moment, and in your sanctified imagination, if you could... Focus on the word Christ-likeness. Christ-likeness. In the biblical sense of following the Lord Jesus Christ, imitating him, exemplifying him in all things. And what would that look like? I'm walking, working, speaking, thinking, preaching, serving in all Christ-likeness. What would that look like? And as we see that, yes, we have the, the blueprints throughout the scriptures, the examples that are left, left for us. It told us, you know, what to do, not to do, and how to go about things, and the kind of attitude that we should have on paper. But reading it is one thing. And we've talked about the difference between uh, the principles of, the, of theory and the, and the practical. You see, the, the theory is the, 
the studying, the reading, the books, the book learning, the education. The practical is the actual hands-on application. So we hear about it, we learn about it, we read about it, and we think about it. But what would it actually look like if I was to carry it out? So you see, for example, in verse 11, for the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men, teaching us that, and we have a list of different principles and examples left to us of Christ-likeness, of for us as sinners, say by grace, how we should live in this present world. So the let our speech be always salted with grace. They may know how you ought to answer every man. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. Uh, that, um, my mind is held captive by the word of God in prayer and, and everything that you do, even in eating and drinking, to all to the glory of God. The steps of a righteous man are ordered by the Lord, and he delights in his way. And be holy as I am holy, be perfect as he is perfect. Touch not the unclean thing, come up from among the bees, separate, saith the Lord, and on and on and on. We see so many passages talking about our character of uh, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And on and on it, it goes. And we see okay but me myself as a person where i am that the in where, where i'm located in society and my job and my home life work life private life all these things how, how would how would this look if i was to imitate jesus christ now i'm not talking about you know, legalism, Phariseeism. I'm not talking about churchianity. I'm not talking about religion. Okay. I'm talking about the imitation of a person. We see Jesus Christ, the Lord Jesus Christ, God manifested in the flesh. And he says, follow me. He says, come follow me. He, say, he says to use, use him as an example, to follow in his footsteps, to love others as he loved, to, to work with others as he worked. And we see, for example, that, that if we take a look at Jesus Christ and how he, uh, how he worked with the unsaved, much of what people think is Christianity is kind of missing the mark a little bit as it's not as as i've talked about before the outward physical fruits but rather the attitude the behavior the attitude the behavior the treatment the long suffering the patience the grace the meekness the temperance the love the peace now Jesus Christ himself, as you see, for example, as he went and he, and he went to the banquets and the, the feasts and the, he sat with all the different people and he spoke with different people, worked with different people. But Jesus Christ sat and ate and drank with sinners of all different kinds. But he sat and ate and drank with them in such a way that they wanted to sit with him and hear him. You see, we, we think about, you know, going and sitting with the people and teaching them and telling them and all this and that. 
okay, well, hold up just a moment, but but there's the the manner, the manner in which you do this. You see, some people go in a form of gracelessness. And they're very hard-handed and you know the, the idea of the the bible thumper well okay people say well don't preach at me don't preach to me okay but we're told to go into all the world and preach but there is such a thing as being mindful of your audience and you see that jesus sat with sinners and he spoke with them and he taught them righteousness he taught them the way of heaven he taught them the truth of god he taught them the truth of himself and he called them to repentance in such a way that he did not water down the truth he did not compromise with sin he didn't partake in what they were doing but he spoke to them about the truth in such a way that they wanted to sit with him and hear what he had to say being mindful of your audience so you see how can i then exemplify this how can i be like this well as the scriptures say when uh, when a man's ways please the lord even his enemies are at peace with him as much as life within you live peaceably with all men to to live peaceably that we are the peacemakers as christ said in his great sermon on the mount talking to the saints talking to his disciples about being the peacemakers about being meek meekness is power and strength restrained in such a way that you can show humility and and humbleness unto others you have the power with you but you temper it and you be graceful unto others now being graceful doesn't mean that you're a carpet and you just get walked over it doesn't mean that that you become others punching bags it doesn't mean you have to kowtow to everyone's whim. Being a peacemaker does not mean that you have to have to bend to every other person's feelings and whatnot. But rather, it's it's in the manner in which you present the kingdom. The manner in which you present the kingdom. It's not wrong to be firm, to be dogmatic. It's not wrong to be absolute and unmovable. But in speech and in representation, we should, in all character, be seeking to be like Christ. As Jesus was no was no pushover. As he yes, Jesus himself, the most graceful, loving, kind, and gentle individual. But look at the way he spoke at the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Look at how he defended uh, those that walked with him. Those are his disciples. Look at what he did in the temple. What would Jesus do? Well, flipping tables and making a whip isn't outside of what Jesus would do. But the point of this is you see, it is there is temperance and there's righteous anger. There's passion and emotion, but it's all in check. There's a reason why you do what you do. You're being real. You're being sincere. You're being honest. You're being Christ-like. Like christ you see what he was like in in uh in helping others to see their sin there's such gentleness and understanding there's such grace but in but in being opposed in the actual face of opposition there's an absolute dead refusal to compromise 
absolute refusal to acknowledge error, to bow to the whim of, of the Pharisees and all of these others, and the enemies of the faith, that if they don't want to hear it, walk away. You're under no obligation to have to explain yourself to every, every peer and every person that, that sees different and doesn't agree. You're under no obligation to have to bend to their whim. They don't want to hear it, walk away. You don't stand and fight. Because what, are, what is it that we're seeking to do? Win the argument or win the soul? Win the argument or win the soul? People say, well, that's not what Jesus would do. <laughs> but you need to go back and read the Bible and take a look at his character and how, how he handled himself in conversation and debate and everything else. Take a look at the character of Jesus, let alone you take a look at the prophets. The prophets, that the spirit of the living God would come upon them and would tell them what to say, where to go, what to do, and it would work mightily through them. Like, for example, Elijah on Mount Carmel, dealing with the prophets of Baal. You do realize that that was the spirit of the living God speaking through Elijah, the prophet. That was the spirit of God mocking the prophets of Baal, right? Just FYI, that that was the spirit of the living God speaking through John Baptist, uh, talking to the Pharisees and the Sadducees and all them at the River Jordan and, and, and calling them out and telling them what he thought of them and all that. That was the spirit of God. That was the spirit of the living God speaking through Apostle Paul, dealing with Alimus the sorcerer and telling him off, going up one side, down the other and through the middle, and they, giving him the third layer. That was the spirit of God. But we see, sometimes see this. We sometimes see this, and we we kind of take this as an excuse then to mean that we can that we can go and talk however we want and be be whatever we want to others. No, you see again, it wasn't the individuals that were talking like that. The Spirit of God moved them to, in such a way to expose sin. If you take a look at what it is specifically, that the prophets, the apostles, and what Christ is, is actually addressing, and sometimes being harsh and being rather blatant about, is the actual, the very exposing of sin, the calling out of sin, the dealing with sin. Jesus cleansing the temple, what he was doing, he was cleansing sin what they had brought into the temple grounds was sinful was disrespectful and he was purging that out and the moment he did he immediately switched right around and spoke with the people and taught them righteousness temperance you see the other aspect of jesus christ you also must keep in mind is that jesus is god almighty manifested in the flesh Jesus is God Almighty, and as such, he's sin, uh, is sinless, and he, he can't make mistakes, and him is no, no darkness, a shadow of, of turning. Uh, he, uh, he's not the author of confusion. However, we are fallible. We do have sin. We have the sin nature in our flesh that opposes us and fights us and tries to get involved in everything. That the flesh tries to bring everything back to our own understanding, our own thoughts, our own feelings, our own reaction. That in a moment of weakness, or we're just not paying attention, or whatever else, our flesh can get riled up, and we can respond fleshly. Even though we are responding to sin, 
which in and of itself is a good thing. We are responding to sin, but the response in of itself is actually from the flesh. And thus you get individuals like, like the uh, completely corrupted Pastor Stephen Anderson. I mentioned him before, but he is an absolute terrible example of a preacher, terrible example of a born-again Christian, terrible example uh, uh, of a pastor. He's foul-mouthed, and he's uh, a liar. He's made bold-faced lies, and he's so corrupted. He's angry, uh, unchrist-like. His emotions are everywhere. He's an angry, spiteful, foul-mouthed little man, and he has no Christ-likeness in him. Yeah, that's the kind of thing that causes the enemies of the Lord to blaspheme. Because when they look at him and say, oh, you're supposed to be a Christian, you're supposed to be a pastor, but look at how you're acting. So you see that, that we must always keep in mind who we are, who we represent. And in this Christ mindfulness, in this Christ mindfulness, we, that we remind ourselves and keep ourselves in check to not allow our flesh to react, to rile up. That we, we temper our words. We're very selective of our words. We try to be. I know we don't always succeed in this. And this is where the grace of God comes in. That if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. And uh, if we confess our sin, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But it, it's why are we here? What is the purpose? We're not here to just invite people to church to to make people christians but we're here to represent christ and not just represent christ to represent an ideology to represent a doctrine but we're here to to pr present to present a person we're not we're not here just to represent jesus we are here to present jesus we're not just walking well in advance of him like, like like the announcer the town crier you know the king here comes the king make way for the king and all this and we're talking about the king but we're walking hand in hand with the king of kings and we're saying look look at this one i have here this is jesus this is jesus christ the savior the king our lord and he can save you and we're presenting a person and then we stand behind him. I must decrease. He must increase. And then I take a step back and I leave Christ forward. And, and we, I introduce the person to Jesus. And then I step out of the way and I make it all about him. This is what the gospel does. What the gospel is supposed to be about. The grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. And in this grace, in this, in this gospel, is the changed life, attitude, heart, mind, that I despise my sin. I despise worldliness. I despise the things that, that offend my Lord. And I want to be different. There's the desire of the want. You see, it's not about the have-tos. Well, if you're not doing this, and if you're doing that, and you're not good, no, 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 it's not about, not about that. It's not about legalisms. It's not about Phariseeism. It's not about, you know, the holier-than-thou attitude thing. It's not about this. We're all wretched sinners, saved by grace. Nobody's perfect. I'm not better than you. You're not better than me. We're all, we're all wretched sinners, saved by grace. This is what it's about. This is what it's about.
It's about the Lord Jesus Christ, the King of Kings, the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the mighty, a great I am, the living God who is the Savior of all men. Jesus Christ is the true God and eternal life, the Word which is God that became flesh and dwelt among us, God who purchased the church with his own blood. This is who he is. It's about him, not me. It's about what he did for us, not what I can do for you, not about how I can teach you. It's not about how I could lead you or how I could do anything. It's about him. It's about him who changes. It's about his spirit in you. It's about his salvation cleansing you, sealing you. It's about him saving you from the condemnation of your sin. Now, how can I represent this? How can I present this person in such a way that you'd be wanting to hear it? That. That right there. That's the question. That's the question. As you see in Titus chapter 2, verse 1, but speak thou the things which become sound doctrine. So in this then, after all that I have just said, we ask the question, as it says, to speak the things which become sound doctrine. Why? Why? For what purpose? What reason? We must ask the question why. We must question this. We must search this out. That to, to obey it is right and good. To say, yes, Lord, is right and good. But we're also called to think. We're also called to think. To educate ourselves. To come to a better understanding and grasp of why does the Lord instruct us in this manner. Why, in verse 2, that the aged men be sober, grave, temperate, sound in faith, charity, and patience. Why? For what reason? What purpose? The aged women likewise, that they be in behavior as become with holiness, not false accusers, not given to much wine, teachers of good things, that they may teach the young women to be sober, to love their husbands, to love their children, to be discreet, chaste, keepers at home, good, obedient to their, their, their own husbands, that the word of God be not blasphemed. Okay, now we're, now we're cooking. Now we're getting somewhere. That the, that the name of God, that the word of God be not blasphemed. The word of God, which is the good sound doctrine, which is the teaching of the Lord. Because the inverse of this, that if I did not seek after this, I could cause the word of God to be blasphemed out of the mouth of the prophet Nathan. And says, thou art the man, you have caused the enemies of the Lord to blaspheme. Because if I am not actively seeking the representation of Christ's likeness, imitating the person of Christ to present the Lord in such a way that is honorable and favorable unto God, the world isn't going to listen. They see no difference. They see nothing that would grab their attention. Nothing that would entice them. Nothing that would actually draw them because you're not different because it is our difference it is our difference that grabs their attention first peter three fifteen that they may come and ask you about the hope within you why are they coming to ask about the hope within you because you are so different now what is this difference 
What is this? Just being religious? No. Every dog and his brother can act religious. That has nothing to do with it. But rather, there's something else with it. That it's not just in word only, as the word of God says. It's not just in word only, but in power. That there's a power behind it. Because you look at every other world religion. That you've got faithful, zealous, religious individuals. In every religion in the world. Faithful, zealous, fervent, sincere individuals. But there's something different about it. And especially when we come to the born-again Christian faith of the Lord God, Jesus Christ, when we take a look at the name of Jesus, the name above all names, see, see anyone can say the name Jesus. But when we come to the Gospels and we inspect this one and we study this one and we believe this one, we accept this one. We are saved and changed by this one. And we follow this one. We're not just saying his name as a name. That when we say his name, it's like an individual, a, a, a person's, when, the, when a man and a woman fall in love and they get married, you, you notice the way that, that you talk about the one that you intimately love the what the way you mention them talk about them you you mention their name you talk about them differently than other people do and that's just it the difference between mentioning and talking about jesus christ through the tongue of religion from uh, than it is through the tongue of believing loving faith you see you can go out and you can be religious and that's not going to turn anyone's head but when you go out and you in actual fervent faith and belief go out and now you talk about jesus christ there's something else there's a power with you now because you see the lord doesn't work with the presentation of religion the lord works in the presentation of of faith when we go out and in sober-mindedness in faith and belief as the double-minded man is unstable in all his ways doubting and faithless and unbelieving and fearful fearing man more than god and and all this but you know they try to be religious they try to go to church all these things that, that that they may be saved but there's a lack of power there's a presence that's missing. You see, they are representatives. There's a big, big, big difference between being a Christian and being a disciple as there is between being a representative, you represent, versus the presenter. You see what I mean? You see, we, we focus an awful lot. We talk an awful lot throughout Christianity and the churches and services and everywhere about, about being the re representative of Christ. You see, I'm not content with that. That's not enough for me. That's missing something. It's lacking something. You see, anyone can go and represent. 
can do the good works, do the good deeds. But not everyone is able to present, present the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, you can walk into the room and, and do the good works and the charity and be all kind of stuff. But then what about walking in the room hand in hand with Jesus Christ? It's like the Last Supper. You have all the other disciples sitting around the table, but John was sitting beside Jesus, leaning against Jesus. You see, others were disciples of, but then you see certain individuals throughout the scriptures, like David, the man, uh, David, who was a friend of God with the heart of God. Abraham was a friend of God. Enoch was a friend of God and walked with God. You see, there's a big difference between knowing and dwelling. John 15, verse 7, if ye abide in me, to abide is means your home where you live. If you abide in me and my words abide in you. See, this denotes a closeness that goes beyond the religious. It goes beyond churchianity. It goes beyond religiosity. There's a certain aspect there that is missed by so many. They say, oh yeah, I love Jesus. I love him. Okay, It's like, okay, you love a, you love a pen pal, uh, you love a close friend, you love you love the Lord God. Sure, you do, but do you live with him? Does God live in your home? Does God Almighty Jesus Christ live in your mind? Does he live? in your heart does he live in your works does he live in your steps does he live in, in the very words from your mouth does he live in you do you live in him see now this is a different uh, understanding this is this is a different presentation this is not the standard idea of born again christianity it's top as you believe on the lord jesus christ to be saved from the condemnation of your sin yes i am i'm saved i'm born again yes and he's the lord now go tell others about him which we do but we're called to something higher you see there's power in word but what about instead of just telling them about the lord jesus christ what about showing them the Lord Jesus Christ what about showing them well how do I do that what did he talk like you see Christ likeness now please understand Christ likeness is more than just being nice and loving and warm and kind all this stuff but see Christ like to be like Jesus Christ now I am NOT a Christ I am not Jesus, <laughs> neither are you, but as children imitate their parent. You know, when the kids are really little, sometimes they like to dress and act and walk and talk like their parents. To be like Christ. To walk like him. To talk like him. To work like him. To fellowship with others like him. 
to see others the way that he did. To treat others the way he did. You see this? In uh, verse 7, in all things, showing thyself a pattern of good works. Now, what shall we do that we might work the works of God? This is the work of God, that you believe on him whom he hath said. Belief. To believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, to be saved, is one thing. You see, what many Christians do is they believe on the Lord Jesus Christ for salvation, but then they struggle with the rest of the story. They struggle with the rest of the word of God. They struggle with their walk and their talk and all these things. But do you understand that, that the same belief and faith that you have in Jesus Christ for your salvation is the same belief and faith and treatment in the rest of the story, the rest of your life, throughout the rest of the book, and everything that you do, even in eating and drinking, do all to the glory of God. He's in a cup of cool water. And when you give an, an individual a cup of cool water in my name, Jesus talks about He's in the glass of water. I was thinking about this a while back. I think it was uh, a year or so ago. It was just the, this thought, this idea came to my mind about, you know, Jesus says about the glass of cool water. And, and it was in the morning and I was making my cup of coffee. Now, I understand it's not a glass of water, but that's ah, sort of water. But uh, I just want to share something with you. Just Some people may think it's weird, but oh, well, I'm weird. I can live with it. I was thinking about it and the thought came across my mind about the cup of water. And as I'm pouring my cup of coffee, uh, just to help myself, because I'm a visual learner. And the principles of the scripture popping up in my mind about how he's always with us in everything that we do. He's always with us. He's actually standing by our side. He's literally indwelling us. He's literally holding us. He's literally with me. In person, he's with me. His spirit is here. He helps me and teaches me and he guides me and he holds me and he protects me and he saves me, he seals me. So I grabbed another cup and I poured another cup of coffee. I went outside and there's a a spot behind our place and I went with two cups of coffee and I uh, by this one picnic table I set both cups down and I had a cup of coffee with Jesus now I saw no actual person but the, the idea of the thought really helped me understand the deepness of this and I, I don't put stock in feelings, really. But I'll tell you, I felt something. There is a, a, a something unlocked in my mind, a, a, a grasp of this. And I did not see him, but it was like mentally in, in, in the idea I saw him as a person actually with me smiling 
Like Jesus would go to, to the different other people's houses and he would sit and eat and drink with other people. He sat and ate and drank with me. And it was real. And he was actually there. And he was actually fellowshipping with me. And just carrying out that, that little act just, just helped me just to be able to grasp the depth of this. And this is what I'm trying to get across to you, that it's more than just an ideology. The reason that we do things is not to earn favor. We, we have his favor because we have his son. We don't have to earn anything. I don't have to earn his respect. I don't have to earn his favor. I don't have to, to, to beg his ear. He is actually with me right here, right now. His arm is wrapped around me. His hand is holding me. His spirit is indwelling me. He's walking by my side. His angels are surrounding me. I'm indwelt in the very cloud of his glory. The Son of God, the Lord Jesus Christ, is with me, in me, upon me, through me, speaking to me, guiding me, helping me, protecting me. He is with me in spirit and person. He's here and he's, he's involved and he wants to be a part of everything that I'm doing. I don't want to just talk about Jesus. I want to show you Jesus. I want you to see him, know him, feel him. I don't want to be just a representative. I want to be the presenter. I want to be the one that walks him down the aisle and shows you the Lord Jesus Christ or your soul can be married to the Son of God in salvation. You can be born again, saved. This is what I want to do. This is why I do the works. This is why I, I, I seek to be Christ-like in all that I do. It's not to just be a good Christian, but to be the presenter of the groom. Do you see that? It's more than just an ideology. It's more than just a religion. It's more than, than just the, the, the metaphors and the allegories and the teachings and the doctrines. It's more than words on a page. Though the words be true, it, it's more than just the presenting of the knowledge of. It's the presenting of a person. Why do I do what I do? Because I want to present a person. Why do I seek the behavior that becometh holiness? Well, how else would you, would you accurately, properly, respectfully, honorably present an individual? Can you truly present the Son of God with foul mouth? No. Can you truly present the Lord Jesus Christ when you're acting just like the rest of the world? No, you're presenting a corrupted idea of Christ. Why do I help others? Why do I show others? Why, why like the good Samaritan, why, why did he do that? Because he felt guilty? No, because he knew that this is what the Lord God would do. And we know that this is what the Son of God would do because he did that. That he never rejected a single person that came to him. He was so long-suffering and patient and kind and gentle and understanding. 
why wouldn't we be? Why wouldn't we want to be? How can I call myself Christ-like if I'm not like Christ? You see that? Can, can you draw these parallels? Do you see this? Do you understand this? That there's passion. There's zealousness. There's fervency. There's sincerity. There's, there's real humanity here. That Jesus was a real person. He was fully man, fully God. God manifested in the flesh like us, but without sin. And he says, now be like me. I know that I can't flawlessly be like him. I'm a sinner saved by grace. But that shouldn't stop me from striving for the mastery of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. All because I do have my frailties and my sin and my, in, my ineptness shouldn't stop me from warring against my flesh that would seek to corrupt my deeds and i and that when i do fall i remember who he is the gentle long-suffering son of god and i come to him and he picks me up and he helps me to walk with him and he'll never let me go he'll never leave me nor forsake me and we should never leave nor forsake each other we should always seek to help one another and comfort one another, bear one another's burdens as he did us. To forgive others as he forgave our sins. Do you see? We are to imitate God. Well, there's an impossibility. But God condescended down to us. He simplified himself. He simplified himself in a presentation. He showed himself in human form as Jesus. And he says, come, follow me, be like me you want to know what it's like to imitate god imitate jesus when you look at me you've seen me you've seen the father and with the lord even because knowing our weaknesses knowing our ineptness he left us yet another condescension simplification where the spirit of the living god spoke through the apostle paul and the Apostle Paul himself, mortal man, sinner, saved by grace. But the Apostle Paul says, use me as an example, as I'm an example of Christ. We look at Jesus and, you know, it's, it's hard to wrap our mind around his flawlessness and all this. But we see that the, an individual who was in human language, in, hu, in human form of, of, of us as a sinner saved by grace, who was the best example of Christ-likeness was the Apostle Paul. And how he struggled with sin and how he sought forgiveness and how he kept working, kept serving in all faithfulness. He followed the Apostle Paul as an example. Look at him. How did he operate? How did he work? He was just a, he was just a, a human just like the rest of us. But there is an example there. And, he, and Apostle Paul says, In all things, show thyself a pattern of good works. Why? Not to earn, maintain, to keep, or atone for your own sins, or to affect your salvation in any way, shape, or form. That's, that's just dumb. But rather, what we see is to show a pattern of good works, because in doing so, it's the, the most honorable, respectful, proper way, not to just represent, but Present the Son of God. In all things, showing thyself a pattern of good works, in doctrine, showing uncorruptness. 
gravity, sincerity, sound speech that cannot be condemned. But he that is of the contrary part may be ashamed. Because what's happening, because when we go and we present the Lord Jesus Christ, and the world mocks us, they're not mocking us. Because when we are walking, not in our power, not in our strength, not in our words, not in our way, but we're walking in his, it's not us that they're mocking, they're mocking him. Because we're not just representing, we're actually presenting. Because the person of the Son of God, the person of Jesus Christ, is with us, hanging on our arm. And we walk in the room, and they mock the Lord Jesus Christ. They're not mocking us, they're mocking Him. And as He is the bridegroom, and the church is the bride, Jesus comes to our defense like He did Mary when Judas started mocking her. And Jesus says, vengeance is mine, saith the Lord, I'll repay. And he defends us. He justifies us. He validates us. He protects us. He covers us. He shields us. He strengthens us. He defends us. We don't do it ourselves. The husband is the protector of the bride. The bridegroom is the protector of the bride. Jesus Christ is the groom. The church is the bride. He protects us as Jesus protected Mary. He washed his feet with tears. And Judas mocked her. He defended her. And he, he took vengeance on Judas. He told him off and corrected him. Do you see this? Do you see this? It's more than an ideology. It's more than a religion. It's more than just, just a knowledge war. If there is a real power, there's a person, there's a presence, there's an individual here, there's the spirit of the living God here, and there's something much deeper that is missed by so many. We talk about the gospel, but do you present it? Do you present the gospel? The gospel is jesus christ it's not about jesus christ it is jesus christ you're not talking about the cross you are presenting the cross that when you present the work of god that the sinner the unsaved person can feel the ruggedness of the cross in their hands they they see the son of god they actually see him they feel him they know him there he is his breath is on their face as the Lord speaks to them and convicts them of their sin, do you present the deepness, the truth, the power, the passion, the fervency, the zealousness of the Lord Jesus Christ? It's more, more than you and me. This is the true reality. It's more than the church building. It's more than the traditions. It's more than the robes and the stained glass and the hymnals. It's more. Now, don't misunderstand me. It's more than a book. It's what's in the book. It's where this came from. It came from the mind, the spirit, the soul of God. He spoke these words. This came from his person. As God is infinite, so is this. It's more than a story. This is reality. This is truth. This is everything. This is actual reality. This is true that the spiritual world, the supernatural, is more real than the physical. 
It's more than just the Ten Commandments. It's more than just loving God. It's more than morality. It's more than submission to morality, submission to doctrine. It's more than, than this maintaining good works. It's more than this. It's a marriage. It's a relationship. It's a person. It's, it's truth. It goes beyond knowing. It goes beyond knowing. It goes beyond belief. But there's something so rich, so deep, so real here that words fail. That, that if I had a thousand years, I couldn't even scratch the surface. This is God. How, how would you explain to a person adequately if you had an opportunity to actually walk into the very throne room of God, feeling the, the gold and the marble under the, your feet, hearing the sound of your footsteps, smelling the incense, hearing the angels, seeing the pillars, seeing the throne, and there he is, and you walk up before him and fall on your face before him, and you hear his voice, how, how would you adequately explain that to someone? That's what I'm talking about. Is our personal best means of inviting someone else into the very presence of God. That I'm bringing them into the presence of Jesus Christ. This is what I seek to do. I'm not bringing them into the presence of church. I'm not bringing them into the presence of Mount Sinai. I'm not bringing them into the presence of the law. I'm not bringing them into the presence of just niceness and love. I'm bringing them into the presence of Jesus Christ. And I go and I bring others and I bring them here and they, they stand before Jesus Christ, not me, not my words, not my arguments, not my debate, not my presentation. It's not my power. It's not my knowledge. It's not me. I'm fallible. I'm a sinner. I, I'm, I, I'm wretched. I have no goodness in me. I have no righteousness of my own, but I know him who is. I know someone that can save you and I bring them to him. This is what it's about. For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men, teaching us. It teaches us how to do this in such a way that's honorable unto God. This is why I act, behave, and conduct myself as a Christian, Christ follower. Because I'm a follower of Christ, not a follower of religion. I'm not a follower of denominationalism. I'm not a follower of man's ideologies. I'm not a follower of catechisms, creeds, and councils, and popes, and priests, and kings, or anything else. I'm the follower of the king of kings, the alpha and the omega, the, the, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. I'm the follower of the great I am, the Lord Jesus Christ. And I present him. I'm a follower of him. Not man's ideologies and presentations of religion. The word of God. 
goes beyond words. It brings me right into the very presence of Almighty God. And when I read scriptures, I'm not reading scriptures. I'm listening to the mouth of God. It comes down to your, your personal outlook on the faith. How are you seeing this? Do you see it? In the volume of the book, it's written of me. Do you look for him? Do you look for him? Do you listen for him? Or do you just read it? You just go through the ordinances. You go through the obligations. You go through the movements. You, you just go through the motions. Or do you inspect and question everything? Does this help me see him? Does this, what I'm doing, help others see him? Am I an honorable presenter of the person of Jesus Christ. Not a representative, though we are. Not just an ambassador, though we are. Not just a disciple, though we are. I'm a family member. He's my father. I'm a disciple. He's my God. I'm a sinner. He's my savior. I'm just an individual of earth, and he's the living God that so loved me. And I want you to know him. People can't get to know an individual by you just talking about them. You could talk about Jesus all you want. It's like, I could tell you about my best friend. I could describe him to a T from his head to his toes, what he looks like, what he walks like, his style, his clothes, his diet. I could tell you all about his interests, his hobbies, his entertainment. I could tell you all about him. You can get a picture. You can get an idea. It's a fairly good idea, but it's still just an idea. When you are just a representative of Jesus Christ, that's all you're doing. You're just giving them an idea. But if I go and get my friend and I walk into the room with him, uh, with, uh, with him in, in the room with you, and I sit you two down and I step aside and I let you be face to face with him, now you get to actually know him. This, this, this is what Christ is trying to get across in his teachings. This is what the apostles are trying to get across in their teachings. This is what James is talking about in James chapter 2. Faith that works is dead. You could say you have faith all you want. You're just representing. But faith that works is dead. See, by my works, I can show you. See, the works aren't for me. The works are for you. So you can not just hear about them, but you can see them. But you can see them. 
That's what it's about. The grace of God, salvation teaches us denying ungodliness and worldly lusts. Why? We should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. Why? Now you're getting it? Looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior Jesus Christ. There it is! So I can show him. So I can demonstrate while I while I'm I'm not I'm not of the world, but I'm in the world, and though I'm in the world, I have a job to do, and that is to present the Lord Jesus Christ. And I do that through the imitation of him to the best of my ability. God knows, and by his grace I work. And I am what I am by the grace of God. And I go and I try and show them what great things the Lord has done for me. And I show them in all Christ-likeness. And the Spirit of God works with me. Confirming the word. The signs falling. God blesses my ability. The weak they are. But I'm doing it because I love him. And I want to show others about him. And not just about him. I want to show them him. And the Lord, Lord laughs and smiles and works and blesses through this. And he shows himself. That's why. That's why. Who gave himself for us, that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people, zealous of good works. Because they're, they're, they're not just disciples. They're not just the announcers. They're not just the ambassadors. They're not just the representatives. They are the presenters of the groom. They're the presenters of the Savior. They walk with him hand in hand, arm in arm, into the room. And when people look at me, they don't see me. I am not Christ. I am not a Christ. I am nowhere near this. I wouldn't even begin to even imagine myself being. But to the best of my ability, I must decrease. He must increase. That's what John Baptist was talking about. That's what he was saying. That's what he was meaning. That when others look at me, they don't see me. They see him. This is why. I'm not just a representative, I'm a presenter. Who gave himself for us, that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people, zealous of good works. These things speak and exhort and rebuke with all authority. With the authority of the Son of God, because he gave us his authority. He gave us his power when he gave us his name, his blood, his spirit, his power, his strength. He gave it unto us. He says, now go in my name. Go in my name. Now think about that. God Almighty hands you the keys to heaven and hell. The gospel of Jesus Christ. He hands you the power and the authority of heaven, of the throne. 
He hands you the power, the authority of his name, of his blood and his spirit. He seals you with his spirit, washes you by his blood. He gives you a new name and he strengthens you and empowers you and says, Now go in my name and do what I did. That's why. It's to bring others to the understanding of him. To bring others to the understanding of him. And I can't do that by presenting me. I can't do that when I make it about me. My feelings, my opinions, my knowledge, my power, my name my person when i make it about my personality i can't do this adequately i can't do this properly appropriately if i'm in the mix it only works when i die to some There you go. Titus chapter 2. Any thoughts, comments, questions, issues, insights? Please, by all means, go ahead and ask away. I'd be glad to hear from you. All right. Now, going down through here. Hey, good morning, good morning. How's it going? Uh, we have a question here by uh, user me. <laughs> uh, why did John have uh, have his own set of followers and Jesus had his own separate followers? I thought John would follow Jesus. Okay. Uh, we look at the timeline here. Uh, John the Baptist uh, was what's called the Herald of the Christ, was set ahead of Christ, like like. I mentioned earlier about you know how we have the uh, the runners that would go ahead of the king, announcing that, that the king is coming. Make way, make way for the king. That's what John Baptist was. He was sent to make the crooked way straight. And so, in his preaching and teaching and calling people to repentance, people would believe, and then they'd sit and listen to John, and that they'd be his disciples. And then Jesus came along, and then what we see is John the Baptist pointing at Jesus. Behold. The Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Now, the next day, John sees Jesus coming afar off, and he says, says, says it again, Behold the, the, the Son of God, behold the Lamb of God. And he sends his disciples over to Jesus. He says, Now go follow him. I must decrease, he must increase. It's time for me to, to start getting out of the way, not making it more about him. So we, what we actually do see is that yes he was teaching people who were following john but then john actually sent his other his disciples to jesus when jesus started his ministry and uh, again it's you just look at it as he was a prophet and people would come follow him and they would seek to be his disciples but what he was doing and he even clarified this is that he was making it about christ and that he was directing people that were coming to follow him he would direct them over to jesus and that's exactly it. You're not a follower of me, for example. You're a follower of Jesus Christ. It's not my ministry. It's his. 
You see, this is, uh, for example, people come and they would subscribe or follow my YouTube channel because they like what I'm saying. But like John the Baptist, very similar, they're coming and following him. It's not me you're following. It's him. You're not my disciple. You're not my follower. You're a follower of Jesus Christ. You're a disciple of Jesus Christ. You may be listening to me, but you're following him. So that's what was going on there. Hope that makes sense. All right. Any other comments, questions, issues, insights? Before we wrap this up. Okay, thank you. Awesome. All right. Doing my job. Okay. So with that then, if there is nothing else, if you appreciate these studies, please give us a like, give us a thumbs up. Make sure you subscribe, hit notification bell icon so you know when we put up new videos and check out all our other videos. We've got tons and tons of other goodies and content as well as our website, christiancoffeetime.ca. We have links to all our other social media accounts. We have free downloadable gospel track PDFs and e-tracks and tons of other goodies and stuff there. Please make sure you check that out and you avail yourself to that and get busy about the preaching and the teaching and the witnessing and the presenting of the Lord Jesus Christ in your life. So give yourself to the Lord, follow him in all things and uh, lean not to thine own understanding but in all thy ways acknowledge him and he will direct your paths he is with you he will help you he will guide you follow him present him in all that you do and watch god work in your life so with that we'll wrap it up there thank you so much for joining in god bless you folks god bless all those who love our lord god jesus christ god bless all those who love his holy word hope to see you again and as always if i don't see you again I'll see you in the sky. God bless.